This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann at Otago Polytechnic. I will one day get used to saying at Tupukanga. And I am joined by Robin McLean. Kia ora, Robin. Kia ora. It's great to be here. Where are you, Robin? I'm at my mum and dad's house right now um, because I have three children and a dog and you told me I had to find a quiet place. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked if I could borrow dad's office and he said yes. <laughs> so we started out asking people how their bubble life was and of course that turned into a traffic light and now it's something else but we're going to go ask it anyway how was your bubble life absolutely my bubble life was incredibly interesting at the time i was a single mother of three and um and we just had a new puppy um and i had spent the last two years building a village around me to help me parent three children on my own and within 24 hours, my village couldn't come near me. Um, so it brought up a whole lot of challenges and emotions. Um, I also, at that time, was in a pretty big job that um, I knew I couldn't do both. And I was nursing an injury. So I was on ACC leave when it all happened. So it was like a perfect melting pot. A perfect, <laughs> a, a perfect storm in, in which some people got to have a bit of a rest, but it doesn't sound like that happened for you. Uh, no, no, we um, we made it work, the kids and I, and we had school time and we had lots of device time so that mum could get a rest and we had playtime. And actually, um, we worked through it and it became a really special time for us. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, on paper, it looked like a horrific time for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just got really creative. You know, as a single parent, and it wasn't talked about enough in the media, just getting to the supermarket was really difficult because you couldn't leave your kids at home and you couldn't take your kids. And mine were quite young, so I didn't want to leave them in a car. Um, so I had great neighbours and each of them sort of got me two or three things every time they went grocery shopping. And I ran our cupboard like a wartime larder. <laughs> And I had to hide fruit so that the kids wouldn't eat all our fruit in day one and two. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty, a lot of it was quite comical now, looking back. Did you have ration books? I didn't have a ration book, but I definitely <laughs> had secret places around the house. <laughs> and how's, how was life in the bit between bubbles and in the, the traffic light? Yeah, well, my life completely changed from the first um, lockdown in that I was made redundant during the first lockdown as well, um, which I turned around as a blessing because it was a great opportunity for change. And I've only been back in Dunedin for almost five years. 
and came back here from Auckland with the goal to make change for the city of Aotearoa, not to make money for shareholders. Um, so it kind of pushed me to be like, come on then, let's do that. And I found a great little job at the South Dunedin Community Network, which I went to my interview the day that we went to level three um, or two. I don't remember what the levels did back then. But the day we were allowed to, we had that interview. And so, yeah, straight from the get-go of post-lockdown one life, I was taking on this new challenge and learning heaps about community-led development um, getting to know South Dunedin and um, making some huge goals for what we wanted to do with our wee community centre on King Edward Street. Um, One step back to that goal of coming back to Dunedin with a goal to make change. Yeah. What drove that? Um, apologies for anybody that this might trigger, but I am a survivor of domestic violence. And so um, came home for whānau support as a single mother and I learned so much in my experience uh, through the family court and the criminal court. And unfortunately for me, uh, the, the violence resulted in a concussion brain injury. So I had ACC to deal with and things. And um, everything I learned through that and everyone I spoke to who's also been affected by domestic violence, I decided that there's more to life than money. Um, I have enough and my kids... Um, are wonderful and I want to spend time with them and I want to do good and make real societal change. Hmm. And and turn your back on the, the corporate life. Absolutely. Well, and the injury prevented, I was in IT, I was in IT project management and governance and I couldn't look at the screen for two and a half years. So actually the injury um, of concussion, it was with me for a long time and it gave me a lot of learnings I was able to experience what disability felt like, knowing that eventually I would get better, uh, which is a humbling position to be in and allowed me to learn an awful lot about society and about myself and about my beautiful whānau that supported me. Um, so, yeah, it was a pretty easy decision to turn my back on corporate life. <laughs> Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Hootie and the Blowfish. Hold my hand. Why this one? Um, I, in my traffic life existence, have also fallen in love again. And this is a pretty special song that my partner sent to me one day out of the blue. But um, I love it and it makes me always think about all the people who love me and support me. Um, so, yeah, it always makes me feel good. He once put it on as the request through Pack and Save. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the magic happened. With a little love and some tenderness We'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist With a little peace and some harmony We'll take the world together, we'll take them by the Take a walk to 
So if I go to Pack and Save and that's blasting out, I know who's there. Yeah, they don't let you do that anymore. They took the machine away. <laughs> yeah, snuck up one day and put it on. They might have gotten sick of me putting madness on. <laughs> so talking about perhaps madness, you are standing for election. I am. This is the, the next extension of me trying to make a difference. I am standing for the Dunedin City Council. I am. Um, I was standing in the middle of a community hui. We run two a year in South Dunedin and staff from the DCC come and speak with members of our community and we're creating that connection and that ability for people to be listened to and to talk. And we spoke in that session about getting people to run, the importance of getting people to run for local elections. And I talked to a number of our leaders in the room and they all said no and things like toxic workplace and I don't have the energy for that. (laughs) (laughs) And I stood there surrounded by all these wonderful people and I was like, oh, God, I think I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm having a go. You know, I've got, um, because I've been working in project governance my whole career, that's effectively what the council is. It's a governance board and the staff members at the city council are the project team that make the stuff happen. So because of all the things in my life, I have what it takes um, and I'm here to make a difference, so this is the next crazy thing. I'm lucky I've got a very supportive family and understanding family. <laughs> so, so how does that community-led development and that, that community um, ethos and principle, how, how does that play with that sort of more, shall we say, hard-nosed project management and governance uh, space? Yeah, yeah, and you think it's hard-nosed, but I think it depends on the project and on the organisation. And the way that I always did projects was, I was mainly in IT, but a good example was um, online banking. The IT team change a button of how you do something on your online banking, and no one remembers to tell the people at the call centre. So then on Monday morning, they get 300 people ringing because the screen's changed and no one's told them. Um, So my passion is actually around change management and supporting everybody, understanding how these changes are going to impact the individual and how can we make that smoother. Um, Because change is going to happen. It's the one thing you can count on in life is that every single thing will change. It's just a matter of time. Um, And so just helping and supporting people through change is what I'm most passionate about. All the hard-nosed stuff is important too, so you stay on budget and on time and you do the right thing and you keep checking in if what you're doing is the right thing. Um, but it's the people that is the most important thing with everything that we do. So in the, in the South Dunedin Community Network, what does that do? Uh, we are a place-based group, so half funded by DCC and the rest elsewhere. Um, Our main focus is connecting people within South Dunedin. Um, The group came about um, after the 2015 floods. Um, There was a group of residents who were all at the same table at a DCC meeting that was full of individuals standing up and yelling and feeling very angry. But the meeting actually didn't go anywhere. And those people all went and had a coffee and realised that something had to change for progress to happen. And so they started this community group. 
And it's all about bringing everybody together and listening to each other and talking and understanding the issues our community are facing, as well as doing those important community development activities that give people a sense of place and pride. And actually, South Dunedin is a great place to live. We're trying to change that narrative. It's no longer, oh, poor South Dunedin. You know, we're going places. There's lots happening out in South D. And um, there's lots of people who love South Dunedin. It's flat. It's easy to access the things that you need. Um, we also have a little community centre that we rent out to any community group for free. So it, since that's been a beautiful thing since COVID, everyone realised they needed hobbies in lockdown. And so we've got so many art groups and sewing groups and scrabble groups. And um, we're also, we were the home of the um, Dunedin Bowling Club, the lovely food truck that was doing $4 meals and is now growing too big for their truck. Um, so we're doing cool things. Just uh, if anyone has an idea in South D and they come talk to us, we won't do it for them because community-led development is all about scaffolding and supporting the people in the community to make it happen. Um, that way it sticks. That way it feels good for everyone. Um, so is your vision to find a way of essentially doing that at a city scale? My vision right now is that I've learned so much from this job, both by connecting with the community, about the issues that South Dunedin faces, and on a wider scale, about the health of community development across Dunedin, that I can't not do this because I need to be at that table um, supporting these initiatives and making sure that we're building a city that enables everybody equity of access and equity of outcomes. Um, I see I'm just so inspired by so many people in South Dunedin who have either physical disabilities or um, struggles from really difficult lives that they've lived and they're still living it and doing it and doing great. And um, I just want to make Dunedin better for everybody. The theme of our show is positive but not deluded, although over the last couple of months somebody convinced us that we should have a dash of deluded. So we're having a dash yes. of deluded. Oh, good. A lot of people would think I have more than that. Yeah. <laughs> more than a dash. So what's the role of a positive mindset for you? And how does that, where does that sort of like the, 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 the critical element fit into there? Yeah, the of the critical element of positive mindset. Mm. You mean? Yeah. Um, when I used to work in corporate, I once had this very serious businessman say to me, I never thought I'd be friends with a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> and I wore that as a badge of honour and I don't know. I was just like, oh, good, we're friends. Um, I don't know if that's what he actually meant. Um, but I think it's more than a positive attitude. It's a growth mindset. And it's about being able to talk about issues and ideas without fear creeping in and without getting to the point so quickly of, oh, no, that won't work. That's a failure. You know, when I was running big projects, if we failed, we were pumped because we failed quickly and we're like, oh, actually, that's not going to work. We should scrap that. And we saved a lot of money. Um, so I would love to see a council that's willing to try more things in ways that are really fiscally responsible. Like I'm not saying throw money at problems um, just to test out things, but I'm definitely saying we should be able to talk more openly without people attacking um, both in the council chambers and also on social media across the city. 
Uh, and so I think that that's the, the importance. It's not just positivity, like it's not just being a cheerleader. It's, it's being really sensible and thinking outside the square openly with everybody because we need to with all the challenges that our world is facing. The council's been trying to do some of that. We're seeing elements of an, an agile mindset in the, um, the the dots that they put on the road and the um, the, the the planter boxes and things, which are an awful yeah, lot cheaper yeah. than actually doing the roadworks. But they got completely pilloried for it. I know, and I end the project closing the octagon too, which I did actually see a lot of communication and. Um, work with the community before those pilots were trialled um, and it really breaks my heart how um, anti-change a lot of our city is even just trying things and bringing the fun back into our city and and also looking at solutions not from how I use the city but from how everybody in our communities use the city from disabled people to families to business people to elderly so that we all have a space that we can use and enjoy. Um, yeah, so I'm not saying that I'll be able to achieve all of it, but I'm certainly saying I'm trying to bring some fresh energy and, and to be able to talk about those things um, with different focuses on what um, success and an outcome actually is. We've been talking a lot in the last uh, few months about VUCA, the, the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world that we're living in, that is changing all the rules that the certainty that we used to rely on is not there anymore. And I'm imagining that your experience in that sort of project management in the IT space is coming at that from a similar kind of space. Absolutely. Well, you know, when I studied IT, there were five women in the entire degree at Otago University. So I'm quite used to being in a space where no one quite knows how to do this thing or how to cope with me being there and all of this <laughs> Um, I was thinking about it reflecting this week, actually, and, you know, I'm 39, and I think about people my age and younger, and this is probably the biggest moment in our lives as far as we've got to change, and stuff has got to happen, and COVID has happened, and so things are already quite uncertain, but, you know, you add in that climate change and cost of living and um, COVID and all the other challenges, we've got to start doing stuff differently. Um, and find a way through that and you know that's scary for a lot of people so we also have to find a way that we can do that as a community and as a city so that we all go on that journey we're not going to all love it straight away that's not how human behavior works but um, we need to make some sensible plans of of how we do that and I, I've been really impressed with um, both the St Clair St Kilda coastal plans and the South Dunedin future program because they're starting to do that. And there's been a lot of pushback that things aren't happening quick enough. But actually, these are big challenges and we don't know the science yet for climate change. You know, we're learning stuff, we're drilling more boreholes and we're learning stuff every few months about what's actually happening underneath us and with all the weather events. So we just need to keep being really um, creative and adaptive in our planning which is a huge change. You know, we can't focus anymore on how stuff worked 30 years ago and I want that back because it's gone. Um, but we can certainly try and hold on to some of the good stuff while we also make a better solution. It's interesting talking to you um, because it's 
I'm, I'm hearing that it's it's not just a change agenda, but a how to change is yes. is what you're focusing on. But something like a council is a slow-moving juggernaut. I know, I know. And, oh, I've had some lovely advice from so many people checking in if I really want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's in these systems and this is how to create change. And it might be slow, but at least you've got to be there and you've got to have a crack. Um, and, you know, I have worked in corporate, mainly banking, which is also awfully slow. Um, when you're talking about change on this scale, you've got to take wins from tiny things. Um, and one of the wins I'll certainly be looking for is how many members of public I can help to get into this mindset or to at least start listening to some things and opening their their mindsets a little bit more towards growth. Um, you're using growth there in a growing personal capability sense, not necessarily a development, economic development sense, or is it both? It's. I think it's both. I think it's both. But I think um, to get one, we need the other in these modern times. Um, you know, I love all the stuff that I learned from my kids that they get from all of their classroom work around growth mindsets and all of that. Um, yeah, it's both. It's both. Well, the city is definitely growing. There's no doubt about that. You know, with there's so many things being built around us. When I lived in Auckland 10 years ago, I used to count progress by the number of cranes. But I think, unfortunately for Dunedin, it's based on um, roadworks or roads that are slightly closed off because of some sort of construction site that's happening right beside them, uh, which is a lot more frustrating for us as residents. Um, I'm a big believer in making this place better for my children and their children. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, namahi aroha nui kia koutou, kata I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are triumph of nature's art perfect unique and here making things better thank you now I'm talking to you all as I drive out to my first home which is of course the beautiful Targo Peninsula where I lived as a small child up a tree or in the sea in Broad Bay then after returning from the UK in Portobello I worked at the aquarium and got to dress up as a pirate and a colossal squid and a mermaid and feed all the fish and look after the octopus. Have a wonderful time showing people of all ages around and encouraging that inner nurturer to come forward. And then, of course, very fortunately, I was offered the job at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary 13 years ago to establish the education department. So this common denominator of the living world encouraging our inner nurturer has been a big part of my life. I'm so grateful. 
And so, of course, over the last more than two and a half years, finding that so much has changed in my life, the constant influence and a constant support has been for me, the living world, the natural world. So here I am, I'm making my way to my whanau's house underneath the watchful gaze of Hiroeka Harbour Cone, the beautiful manga here. And of course, returning here, so many memories, so much nostalgia, so many parts of my life that are now over that I can look back on fondly. And of course, I feel so fortunate to have this place so close by. So I really hope for you, in whatever way that's helpful to you, you are able to re-engage with these special places and these special moments in time in your past. This can be such a comforting and such a helpful way to remember and to celebrate who we are and how far we've come in our lives. I know that for me, so much has changed in the last two and a half years, but being able to return to these places, being able to reconnect with the people I love is such a wonderful way to find that constancy. My mum, of course, is on the other side of the world, but we talk every day, and that connection with her has been really important over this time as well. So I really hope for you, in whatever configuration your whanau, your family has arranged itself. You're finding that sense of love and support gathering around you. I was raised by three friends and that worked really well for us. Quite an unconventional whanau, but one that worked really well. And so, of course, not only do we draw upon our family for support, but of course our friends, our long, long held, long loved friends. Many of mine are in all different parts of the world now, but we're still able to keep in touch, even if months go by, even if years go by, that love and that connection is still there, and I'm so grateful for that. So I really hope for you during this difficult time, during this time of returning back into a world that is quite different now but which allows us to experience many of the things that we've enjoyed and took for granted for so long again now you're really able to draw upon the support systems that work best for you being part of this show of course is a huge privilege and pleasure for me and I'm so grateful so a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Takite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Robin McLean. Robin, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Uh, what do I hope will stick? Um, I think the the benefits that you get from slowing down and spending a bit more time at home and the enjoyment that you can have with very simple things um, might stick for people 
because you know that will also help us reduce our consumerism and ultimately how much waste is going to landfill. We had an awful lot of fun with the recycling bin during our bubble because it was a lot of resources in our head that were all clean and things were cut up and water was poured all through them and we did heaps of really cool basic stuff and that was really healthy. I think also um, the importance of connecting with your neighbours or um, the people who are your your community is really important. Um, the other thing I've really learnt from this is it's been really interesting watching human nature and what happens when rules are put in place around us and how some people react and how some people maybe don't at all react. Um, and it's really reinforced to me that if you do want to make societal change, you need to do that through legislation or through, through changing systems um, to really get that impact. Um, so it's made me become slightly more political, <laughs> probably quite extremely political now, <laughs> unintentionally. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's really interesting. And I also can listen to everybody's point of view and I get it. You know, I, I can see that everybody has a different point of view and that we are different. And um, I am happy for people to share their opinions with me as long as they're also happy to hear my opinions in respect that they're different because people are different. And I, I think we've become quite disconnected and we forget that we're all on the same planet together and it's okay for us to be different and still be the same community. Um, so. We are, though, dealing with a increasing amount of misinformation, disinformation, polarisation, marginalised communities. How can we bring that back together? Yeah, that's so, it's so tricky. Hey, the misinformation thing is frightening. It means that as individuals, we have to do more research. And we have to, I think that it's, and also I was in my 20s and things, so that you do take it a bit easier, but I think that we were able to just coast and assume things 20 years ago and you can't do that now you you need to really do your research and find um, sources that you trust and then check those against other sources um, and that's not going to go anywhere in fact you can see across the world that that's getting scarier and scarier um, so yeah I see a place in this for the work that I've been doing in community-led development because if you create those pockets of community where people know they can come and they're welcome no matter what, you're already creating a place of more trust um, that, that can at least connect people to stop them feeling isolated or maybe give them that one place where they can be like, actually, I was given this yesterday or I've learned this thing and, you know, is that a thing? <laughs> How many times have I asked my children, is this a thing? <laughs> Should I? You know, you've got to check out with everybody to learn what things are. Really enjoyed in this campaign how much research I've had to do because I've had so many questions from all over the place. Um, yeah, so it's really woken me up to that issue. So, what's your approach to an issue that you've never heard of before? How do you develop an opinion on that? Mm, I do. I'm a very quick learner. So I do lots of learning. I talk to people. As soon as I have a small idea, usually sadly from Google straight away, 
um, I often, and I've always done this, I used to do this in class too, if there's something I don't understand, I write it on my hand and then I need to go and find that thing out. Um, so yeah, I Google, but then I also look within my circles and my networks and who do I trust and who can I talk to? Who's a real person? This is the key. <laughs> that they're real people. Um, mm. Is there a set of values that you can draw on? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm very value driven. Um, I've done a lot of work on that building my campaign and I've realized the three key things I go back to always is community, which is the people around me, both geographically, but also my whanau and my friend groups and the groups that I'm involved in because of shared interests. Um, equity is a very important thing for me. And I always try and look at things not from my own um, position, but from like imaginary people that I have in my mind of this person who's in a wheelchair and lives in South Dunedin and has carers three times a week, how would that go for them? And this person who's got a family of six and no car, how would that work? And um, the person that's in Māori Hill and lives in a beautiful home and wants to do more, how does that, you know? I, I always check in with with everything to see is this is this right for everybody in our in our world, um, and my last one is environment, and more and more it's becoming um, so so important as I learn far too much about climate change, <laughs> working in <laughs> South Dunedin, um, and uh, you know it's a really real and um, catastrophic thing, and, and I'm surprised because I for so long was worried about flooding but it's these serious weather events that we're having that will continue that is going to be the real challenge um you know we were so lucky that well sorry Nelson because it was horrific for them but I just I was so worried if that could have happened to us um you know I'm not sure that we were ready for it so so you have you. you have an IT degree well an IS degree information science degree information science and management yeah. Um, so are we preparing information science people, IT people for moving into this kind of bigger thinking kind of space? Absolutely. Like I probably have to put a little side note here that when I studied, there were no smartphones. Facebook had just been invented. Um, so <laughs> that's one thing when you study IT, you realise if you don't continue learning the entire time, you very quickly become obsolete. And I actually think that that industry, you know, look how it thrived through COVID. It's already ready. Those people are training with big minds and thinking bigger than what the current technology is capable of anyway. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I love the stuff that's happening here with the code project bringing IT into Dunedin. It's those sorts of weightless industries where people can come and we're not creating things, but we're still creating value, whether it's digitally or um, or in other ways. You know, that's the stuff that we want in this city um, to keep it going. That's real cool. Uh, but I can't fix your printer. Just checking because anyone who hears that I do IT, they're like, oh, can you put fix my printer? No, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's my children's job. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you need to ask my kids why your Wi-Fi's not working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite that bad. Yeah. 
let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Hollow Coves. Blessings. Why this one? Yeah, this is a new one to my playlist. Uh, a friend in Australia got me onto these guys. And this is sort of the beautiful opposite in balancing what Hootie does for me because this reminds me of all the people that I love and how blessed I am and how um, grateful I feel every day with um, the ones that I have that I get to pour my love on and enjoy.
They say, hold on to the ones you love. Keep them close to you. And they say, hold on to the stuff we have. And let the light shine through. Robin, the pandemic of the last couple of years, it's going to turn into three years before we know it. What do you th- lessons do you think we can take from that and the response to that for those bigger sorts of questions that you were talking about before, climate change and um, equity, social equity on the larger scale? Can we, can we learn from this experience? Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we can learn from every experience. I think a, a big thing for me was I woke up to how global we'd become in our lifestyles. And so many people taking for granted that I oh, actually I'm just going to shoot to Athens next week because I've got to go and do a thing. Um, and, it, you know, seeing how quiet and clear the skies got when our aeroplane stopped, I know that it caused so much stress on, across so many industries. But it also woke me up a bit to that we were giving the earth a chance to breathe potentially. And did we need to go those places um, we've had some wonderful family holidays in the South Island through this pandemic and I can see that my children have got everything from that holiday that they would have got from a trip to the Gold Coast um, which sadly we've had one booked and then we still haven't been able to take it <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I think just thinking more locally and also thinking more about the food we eat and the things that we use and can they be glo- can they be local? Because the other thing we experienced was all these shipping delays and you know the absolute dramas logistically that were across the world. And and should be we we be working at that level simply to save fifteen dollars postage or whatever the deal was that we got on Etsy? Um, I think those things at a um, community level we could be thinking about at a personal level. Um, yeah. Do you think that there is a role for local government in that um, enhancing food sovereignty, food security? I think there's a role in local government now as it seems to be changing a lot. Um, You know, it used to be about bricks and mortar, which it still is to an extent, but I think that the role is actually about creating a great place to live and creating a real livable city where everybody has enough. So yes, it is, because that's one of those key things in doing that, creating somewhere that is safe for everybody, somewhere that everybody can live their best lives, and that includes having enough to eat. Um, So absolutely, although I don't think that it's only the job of local um, government to do that, Uh, it's wider as well. If you could wave a magic wand upon the city over the next three years, what would you have happen? Oh, my magic wand would be super powerful and it would do this with no impact of roadworks anywhere in the entire city and we would have some sort of fabulous transport system that had sort of bike over over bridges and you could get anywhere in a bike, a car or on your feet or scooter easily and safely. That would absolutely be the thing I would do. Can we make that real? I hope so. I think so. And that's another reason why I'm running, because I don't want the progress to be stopped, because it's it's starting. And uh, this council has made some great decisions um, putting things forward. Uh, I almost bought an e-bike. I, I test drove two of them, 
and then realised I'd only gone in bike lanes. And as soon as I had to go on a real road, I freaked out because there were huge trucks along, you know, those main streets. Um, so we need to make it a network so that people can go from home to work safely the whole way. It's yes, joining, it. it's joining it up is the challenge, isn't it? It is joining it up. And it's doing it in a way that doesn't create the emotional congestion that the amount of roadworks we have right now is, is causing people. Um, that's what my magic wand would do. It would do it all overnight and then we'd wake up and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. But unfortunately, we're going to have to have a bit of pain while we make those changes. In the campaign and in the community, in the candidates' forums, are, are you getting asked questions that you're thinking, I have no idea? Or, or, or is it is it is it sort of formulaic that you, you, you know where it all fits together? Oh no, I'm 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 definitely getting questions that I'm like, oh, I don't know enough to have a strong opinion. But and then I'm they say, but, but then if you try and say that, they'll say yes or no. I need an answer. Yeah, I, so I have some rules of of engagement that I've developed across campaign, and one is that I won't answer a yes or no bin if I'm not given an opportunity to further explain because that's not fair. There's very few questions right now running about out there that um, that are yes or no. You know, it's so complex. Everything is interrelated anyway, and it's so very complex that it's unfair to put a person in that position. And I can I can tell by the questions that are asked that the person who's asking it already knows what their answer is to that. Um, so, yeah, um, I think... My rules of engagement have helped me, but I've only developed them in the last four weeks. So there was a, there was a few at the start that I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But um, absolutely, I can because I've learned so much during the campaign. Um, I've been honest, you know, at Opaho, um, the other night we had a question about the railways. I don't know enough about trains and systems and to put my hand out and say, absolutely, we'll make this happen. I definitely agree that from a lifestyle and a transport perspective, it's an idea that needs to be looked at further. Um, so I'm quite happy to tell people when I don't know stuff. And it's quite interesting how some people respond when you capably and confidently <laughs> tell someone you have no idea. It's quite a beautiful thing to do to people. <laughs> I really think it's a good question to follow up with. I'm really taken by that Um that rule of engagement of, of not doing that, because it strikes me that almost every question, if you're coming at it from a sort of a systems perspective, there's almost never a yes or no answer to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly there's not. So um, really unfair to do that. I loved it. Or Paul, all of their questions were multi-choice and they had people stand up for one of the four options. That was a lot more sensible with how life actually is rather than just wanting to create conflict. Um, so there's been quite a few surveys because we get sent so many, I did not realise as a candidate, um, that I've responded to those people. I've said, if you give me a comment section after every yes or no question, I can answer this. But if you make it mandatory, then I have to say yes or no. I can't complete the survey because that's not fair. That's, yeah. The rules of engagement. It's a powerful way to set boundaries. Indeed. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Surviving domestic violence and thriving. Like I'm back and it took a lot it took a lot to get back. Well done you. So we're writing a book of these conversations. 
It's called right. Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? My superpower is that I can disarm people with warmth, humour and kindness. So I get to have great conversations with anybody. And they're all. some of them are quite unaccepted. <laughs> That's a brilliant one. Kind of hard to stick on the back of a super cape, but... I know, yeah, and you know, I can't probably save the world from some sort of Atari army. But. So, do you consider yourself to be an activist? I never used to, but actually, I have been my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I might not be um, always active in that, but absolutely, I am. Has it been hiding? Um, I think for a lot of my life, it was trying to be what society thought I should be. Uh, and so it was hiding around the edges. Um, I'm just so lucky with all the challenges I've had um, through domestic violence and also the brain injury. I don't care what people think now. And I see a lot of people have to wait till they're about 60 for that to happen. Um, <laughs> so I feel really lucky. And a lot of my friends now are in their 70s. <laughs> so go figure. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? My whanau, my children, definitely. They, they're, what, um, they're what push me to be awake and ready to go. And, you know, I mean awake as far as focusing on the now, not just out of bed. Um, also, people who have had tougher challenges than me in life motivate me. And I'm so lucky that people share their stories with me um, because it shouldn't be as hard as it is for so many people. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Running, being in council is definitely up there, um, you know, and if that doesn't happen this time around, then we're doing so much in South Dunedin right now and it's really amazing. Like it's really getting to goosebumps um, level, how much funding we're bringing into our community in the next five years. So, yeah, it's going to, either way, it's going to be great. And it's always opportunities. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, be yourself and love who you are and work out what's important to you and then find your people. Stop, stop being what anyone else thinks you should be. Good advice. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's been really fun.
bubbles, they're safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, which is itself brought to you by T. Pukanga. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Jose Gonzalez, Heartbeats. I'm Samuel Mann at Otago Polytechnic in Dunedin and I've been joined by Robin McLean. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.